and I'm going to read our scripture for today's sermon. You can follow along if you'd like on the screen behind me. I'm reading Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I mentioned last week that we were possibly going to finish up our Sermon on the Mount series to coincide with our time here at uh, Spring Hills under the patio. It looks like we might have to extend that into our time uh, arriving at the Grove. So some of you remember maybe a month ago now, five weeks ago, my shoulder was locked up in frozen shoulder mode or something to that effect. I've had a bad shoulder for a while. I have my shoulder surgery scheduled for this coming Thursday. It's supposed to be relatively minor, orthoscopic. The doctor said, maybe one week in a sling and you'll be, you know, good to go. Just in case, I decided, well, if I'm dopey and weird, you know, coming out of that surgery and need more things to help me remain dopey after, uh, then I probably ought not to speak. So uh, a friend of mine from Hillsburg, he pastors Grace Community Church in Hillsburg. His name's Daniel Flores. He is graciously said he'd come and speak to us. And so he said, I don't want to land the plane, Paul, of your Sermon on the Mount series. Uh, So I will do my own thing. And so anyhow, that said, uh, we will not wrap up next week. We will pick it up in Sebastopol, but Daniel will be here next week and it'll be good. And I plan to be here, uh, just not preaching or playing guitar or doing those things. So anyway, uh, if you haven't already, uh, open in your Bible to the Sermon on the Mount, to the passage I read, or in Matthew 7, beginning at verse 7. And we are once again tonight going to hear from Jesus right? He's the preacher of the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever. But we are going to hear from him once again on the topic of prayer. So Jesus has already talked about prayer quite a bit. We actually spent, when we went through Matthew 6, three or so sermons, I went back and looked on sort of the first things he says about prayer, uh, and then, of course, the Lord's Prayer, or as I called it, the, the apostles, disciples' prayer, the Christians' prayer. Uh, but, but now in Matthew 7, Jesus has once again uh, decided that his followers, including us, need to hear some words on prayer. And so the passage I read sets us up for this, and this is my hope tonight that we go home this evening with this thought in our mind. Jesus is going to instruct us in simple prayer. Now, we we said before that prayer at its simplest is talking to God. That's what it means to pray. We teach kids that. To pray is simply to talk to God. And so Jesus is going to speak to us on simple prayer, although he's got a little bit more to say than just that it's talking to God. Uh, Two things we're going to see Jesus talk about in respect to simple prayer. First off, simple prayer, according to Jesus, is persistent. And then number two, simple prayer, according to Jesus, is confident. Persistence and confidence. 
That is what Jesus has to say in this passage on simple prayer. Now, before we jump into Matthew 7, 7 and on these instructions of simple prayer, we have to note a few points of context just for uh, getting our bearings. First, we're nearing the end of the Sermon on the Mount. I mentioned that already. But, but we have to really, I think, understand this. Now, I read the golden rule verse, uh, Matthew seven twelve, a few moments ago. I'm actually not going to talk about the golden rule tonight, okay, uh, by, by choice. Uh, we, will, we will get there, but just so you can kind of understand, as Matthew has recorded for us these three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, 7, this Sermon on the Mount, this instruction right here on prayer is basically Jesus preparing to land the plane of his sermon, if you will. He's going to then, after this instruction on prayer, give the golden rule, which really kind of bookends where he started back in, in Matthew 5. He's going to talk about the law and prophets. And so that, that golden rule kind of brings to a close the body of the Sermon on the Mount. And then his conclusion, right, all good sermons have an introduction, the body, and then the, the conclusion, the landing. His, his landing, his conclusion are four warnings. So, so we will get to those in a couple of weeks. So we are, though, in this section on prayer, nearing the end of the sermon. So that's worth us keeping in mind, okay? Number two, a uh, word of context, a few, one of the points. Here in the Sermon on the Mount, this teaching, right, it follows what we looked at last week. We talked last week about the dangers of judging. We talked about there's, there's the, of course, verse 1, chapter 7, judge not. There's, there's that warning of, that Jesus gives of, of inappropriate judgmental judging, right? Uh, something that springs from inside, a, a judgmental spirit. But then he also goes on to call us to be discerning. And, and so I talked about the danger of not making a judgment when we are called to make some judgments, right? So we have to evaluate and, and be discriminate. And so Jesus, that was what we looked at last week, and it's right after that that he calls us to pray, well, that's pretty good. Uh, you'd think I stole that from Jesus because maybe you remember last week at the end of my message, I said the way we work it out, the way we learn to, to figure out judging and not judging and how it all works is one of the ways is we got to pray. We, we need help to discern and to know, and, and that's right where Jesus goes after that. So that, that's important to keep in mind. In this message, he he's, gives these words there. Okay, and then number three, just again in context, not only do we need help with the dangers of judging and not judging, but really we need help with the entire Sermon on the Mount. We, we, we haven't reviewed that in a while, but for some people, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, I mean, if they take it literally, which we, we ought to, literally as in the way Jesus intended, it, it's His instruction for what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven it's crushing. I mean, how do, we, how do we do what Jesus calls us to do? Remember some of those passages? You've heard it said, Jesus had said to them that, that you shall not do certain things, but I say to you, right, stuff that comes from the inside out, if you do those things, you're guilty. And, and so this, this sermon, these things that it calls us to from chapter 5 all the way through, it can be crushing for a person. How? How? I fail. I, I don't live up to it. Well, again, we need the grace of God or it will crush. And, and, and we need to keep in mind that as Jesus calls us to pray, not only does it follow from the dangers of judging, but the whole sermon, right? All of it. Like we, we need what we get when we pray. We need the help that God brings to us when we pray. So just keep that in mind. Often 
and, and again, sort of touched on this last week too, we can, we can take these verses and, and we can take them out of context and, and misuse them. Um, and, and again, these verses on their own, they're important. I mean, ask, seek, knock. In other words, pray, be persistent. That, that is applicable. In, in Luke 11, remember I told you there, there's another time where Jesus taught on prayer when, when the disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples, we want to have you teach us to pray. And that was a different time than the Sermon on the Mount. And in, in that context, Jesus gave the model prayer, the, the Christian's prayer. And in actually Luke 11, he goes on to give these verses. So on that time, at that time in teaching, he gave all of this. Okay, so there he thought it was important to talk to them about seeking and asking and knocking and being persistent. Here, it follows a little bit later. Again, Jesus was an itinerant preacher. He would use certain teachings on on several occasions. So all that is true. These verses do stand alone as instruction on simple prayer, persistent and, um, what did I say? Persistent and... uh, Confident, thank you, uh, for what it means to be, to be praying. But they do follow right here what Jesus has been saying, the whole sermon where he's been kind of getting us toward. So all of that is to say we need, we need help in prayer. Jesus gives it, and we need to hear this tonight. And we need this simple prayer, persistent and confident prayer. So first, then, simple prayer is persistent. Verses 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now these words in verse 7, ask, seek, knock, in in their grammatical form, they, they are imperatives. That is, they are commands. Okay, so they are part of how Jesus is commanding his followers to pray. Ask God for things. Seek God for things. Knock, like uh, figuratively, of course, before the throne for things, okay? But not only are they imperatives, they they are in the present tense, which all that really means is this is not just the kind of thing you do once, you know? Well, did you pray for that struggle you're having with that significant other? Well, yes, I prayed, and okay, according to Jesus here, Keep asking is is the force. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. We are to keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. Of course, Jesus knew his Bible, what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. He would have been very familiar with these words from the prophet Jeremiah. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So Jesus would have known that language, Jeremiah 29, 13, this invitation that God has always given to his people to go after him in prayer, to seek, to ask, to knock. Verse 8 provides sort of the symmetrical promise, if you will. We, we can expect that God will answer us when, when we are asking and seeking and knocking, not because of technique, but because of who he is. And we're going to see more of that here tonight. He is our Father in heaven. Matthew 6, 9, when he first taught in this this sermon how to pray, he said, pray this way, our Father in heaven. He knows what we need before we ask him. He taught us that as well in Matthew 6, 8. John Calvin, the reformer, said that nothing is better adapted to excite us to prayer than a full conviction that we shall be heard. 
to know we will be heard ought to excite us to ask, seek, knock, to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. And that's Jesus' point, persistent prayer. Pray persistently. Pray confidently. You are being heard. That's simple prayer. Now, it is not a blank check, if you will, statement, okay? And there are groups that apply it that way, name it and claim it, prosperity preachers, so-called preachers, and, and so forth. Absolutely not. We still have to remember that we're to pray, your will be done, Matthew 6.10, when Jesus taught how to pray. He said, don't forget to pray, your will be done. He, he taught later in Matthew 6 that we are to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. So to ask, seek, knock, to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking is not just a blank check. Oh, just go to God with whatever you want. No, it, it's got to be according to His will. It's got to be in line with kingdom values. It's got to be kept within appropriate biblical understanding of who God is and, and what He does and so forth. I'm guessing for us, we don't dip into that misuse of it. I, I, as far as I know, I could be wrong, but I don't think we have any closet pr- prosperity preachers here uh, and, and so forth, and that's a good thing. Uh, but probably our problem, and maybe, you know, this is my problem, it's, it's the failure to be persistent, Re- really. I know I struggle with this. I, I know that I need to pray and ask God for things, but my problem is, well, I prayed about it. <laughs> Like once. And, and just being real honest, you know, with you, um, one of the kids, I love it, um, during, during the opening song, um, I said hi, they were in the back, and, and they said, is that the, the replacement for, for Greg? Uh, is he the replacement for Greg? And I said, no, no, I wish. Uh, Jason's been a friend of mine for over 20 years, and he's helping out today and, and so on. But I bring that up because... I need to pray persistently for God to bring in our next worship director. That is, if it's important, and it is, I want us to continue as a church to be drawn toward the Lord when we gather corporately, to have someone help us turn our mind and thoughts and emotions toward the Lord and, and to, to help us grow and, and as musicians and as, you know, a church of volunteers that play and do things for the service and all of that. My problem is I, I know God's got a plan and I've prayed about it. <laughs> Back there a ways on the calendar timeline. My problem is I forget to be persistent. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you think, well, I asked God once for that, that problem, that struggle. I've prayed this is a reminder tonight, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. You will be answered. Of course, Jesus doesn't get into it here, but it's worth remembering. Even as we seek to pray according to His will, even as we seek to pray in line with His kingdom, we don't know best all the time, right? Like the analogy of a little child who thinks they know best and knows what they want to eat, let's just say, and asks, Mama, Dad, whatever, can, can I have candy for dinner? And, and, and sometimes maybe that's okay, but hopefully on a regular basis, that's not the best thing. And so sometimes parents, you know, say no, 
And, and that still is an answer at that point. No is an answer. But they know there's something better, better, healthier, better, you know, so on, right? We, we get that. Well, let's not forget the same analogy toward, toward God. We ask for things. Your will, your kingdom come, but this is what I'm asking. This is what I'm seeking. This is what I'm knocking for. But God, I give you the freedom to be God and, and not try to impose, you know, my will on you. Jesus' brother, James, would also write about another problem related to prayer in James chapter 4, verses 2 to 3. In James 4, verses 2 and 3, James says, You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. And there's other things he says there as well, but wow, that's telling Jesus' brother writing years later, you, you, you don't have because you don't ask, church, Christian. My brother, remember, told you to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and you don't ask. Or maybe your problem isn't the persistence issue, it's that you ask with wrong motives. Again, forgetting your will be done, forgetting your kingdom come, or seeking first the kingdom. So, so maybe that's the problem as well. So all of a sudden, simple prayer, being persistent, does require a bit of, Lord, search my heart. See, it's simple, but simple things aren't always easy things. Simple enough, but not necessarily easy. It's simple to be persistent, but oh, we, we can gunk things up. I can gunk things up. But the command, this imperative, and the promise still stand. Ask, church. Seek church, knock, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. So I want us to pause for a minute here this afternoon. And, and just quietly, we're not going to pray out loud, but, but between your spirit and the Holy Spirit, I, I want to just give some space for us to pray about some things, maybe that we have not been asking, seeking, and knocking. What is it in your life that you have not been persistent in? And maybe like me, it's because you feel like, well, I prayed about it and it's done, right? God's good and sovereign and He'll work it out when He wants. Well, yeah, maybe, but, but isn't it crazy that within His sovereignty, He calls us to ask, seek, knock, like mysterious. So what is it that, that you need to spend a little bit of time just right now being persistent in before Him? What does He want you to pray about? So just quietly for a few moments, go ahead and talk to the Father. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we confess that we cannot be persistent in our prayers. Please help us, and help us to be childlike, and to keep asking, and to keep seeking, and to keep knocking according to your will, seeking first your kingdom. 
And help us to pray and ask, seek, knock with correct motives. But help us be persistent with these things we've just spent moments on, but other things too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So simple prayer, according to Jesus, is first persistent. But simple prayer is also, according to Jesus, confident prayer. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. He goes on and says, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So not only does Jesus want us to pray persistently, but He wants us to pray confidently. And so He communicates here with this illustration in these verses. Uh, Don Carson, he notes that, and you heard it in, in the ESV translation, with verses 9 and 10, they both begin with the word or, okay? I'll, I'll read it again. Or, which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give a stone? Or, which of you, if your son asks for a fish, will give a serpent? The point is, according to Don Carson, the intended meaning is something like, put the, putting the matter another way, um, which of you, okay? So again, Jesus is using this rhetorical method to, to put it another way. So he's still talking about persistence, but within the persistence, he brings in this, this notion of, of confidence, okay? Putting simple prayer another way, not only be persistent, but which of you, right, would behave this way? And the point in verses 9 and 10 is rather straightforward. <laughs> Generally speaking, um, no parent is going to give their hungry kid a rock, a stone, if they ask for bread. They wouldn't do that, okay? Generally speaking, if their child asks for uh, a fish, their a parent's not going to give a serpent, okay? Children know they, they can confidently ask and seek a knock. Generally speaking, that is uh, the case. Notice, though, in verse 11, the phrase, <clears throat> how much more. This is, again, Jesus employing uh, this, this method of speaking of from lesser to greater. And so he says, like, we, we understand. No, no parent would do that. How much more? Our Heavenly Father, how much more will He give <clears throat> good things? So simple prayer, according to Jesus, is confident prayer. How much more? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, be persistent. But oh, uh, another way to think about it is be confident because how much more compared to earthly parents who give things does our Heavenly Father want us to be confident in our praying? Now, I'm going to circle back to that in a moment, the good things He wants to give. But, but one sub-point here in, in the text needs our attention just briefly. Just one little tangent, if, if you'd like, although he, Jesus brings it up, so it's not too much of a tangent. Notice Jesus says there in verse 11, if you then who are evil, <laughs> if you then who are evil, do you know what it means in the original Greek to be evil? It means to be evil. It does. It does. It, 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 it pertains to being morally corrupt. Um, 
by the way, here's Jesus making a judgment. Here's Jesus calling an ace an ace. If you then, notice he doesn't say we, (laughs) but if you all who are evil, who are morally corrupt, know how to give good things to your kids, how much more? But, But don't miss that. Jesus knows his Bible, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. Psalm 14, 1 to 3. The fool says in his heart, there's no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Of course, the entirety of Psalm 51, the Psalm of David after his gross sin and his confession of what he has done wrong, that's, that's in the Scriptures, Jesus knew that. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. And of course, into the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in Romans 3 would quote Psalm 14, he would quote Psalm 53. And then in Romans 5, verses 12 to 14, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned in Adam by implication, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law, yet Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of one who was to come. In other words, we we are all evil. Every human being, yes, made in the image of God and worth value, valuable and worthwhile, and, and there's dignity by being made in God's image. There's inherent value everyone has. But everyone not only has this inherent value, everyone is a sinner. Everyone is evil when they start out on this earth. We don't learn to be sinners. We, we are. That's the message of the Bible. And Jesus knew that. We are all in need of saving grace. We are all in need of forgiveness. And if we've received His forgiving grace and we've been saved and declared just and righteous because of Christ, well, we're still not perfect, right? I've been a Christian for over 30 years, and I'm a professional Christian. Not really, but you get the joke. And I know, and I know the wretchedness that is inside me. I do. I know that I'm prone to wander as we sing. I know that I'm prone to leave the God I love And if you're honest, you do too. Martin Luther called this, forgive me for mispronouncing Latin. I never took Latin. Martin Luther's phrase was, simul justus et peccator. Simul means simultaneously. At the same time, simul. Justus, that is just or righteous. Et means and. And peccator Sinner, simul justus et peccator. At the same time, just and sinner. If you are a Christian, that that is who you are. Now, you are progressively becoming more and more like Christ. 
That's happening, but it's progressive. And God is patient. Thank you, Father, for being patient with me, for, with all of us. But don't miss this. It's not a throwaway little phrase. Jesus doesn't throw away words. If you who are evil, and you, you, we are, we're, we're, yes, if we're in Christ, we're just and justified. Yes, we're made in His image and we're valuable, but we're sinners. We're sinners in need of forgiving grace, and then as justified, forgiven Christians, we are in need of sustaining grace, and, and we, we sin and we break fellowship. We talked about that in this series, and we need to have that fellowship restored. We sin against one another. We need to confess and work on that. We, we get it if we're honest. And so one more time, Romans 7 now, one more time Romans, but in Romans 7, Paul says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, rhetorically? His answer, verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who will deliver us. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, back to Matthew, verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Implied, you're evil, but God is perfectly good and holy and righteous, right? How much more will the perfect good one who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We might be evil, but God is pure goodness, holy, and he will give good things to us who ask him praying persistently according to His will, praying persistently, seeking first His kingdom, but asking, seeking, knocking, praying confidently. We have a good Father who hears us and He'll answer. It may take time. It may be longer than we'd like, right? Not microwave speed. might be crockpot speed, but He will respond. And so I want us one more time to pause and, and pray some simple prayers again, just like we did a moment ago. Let's, let's pray and ask our good Father, our good Father, for things that are on our heart. What's on your heart? What, what do you need to talk to our Father in heaven about? We need to pray persistently, but we also need to pray confidently. He hears. He hears us. So let's pause quietly and privately and spend a few moments in prayer. And so once more, Heavenly Father, it's in Jesus' name that we again admit, we confess that we sometimes are not confident. We're aware of our own sin and maybe that causes us to not think we can come into your presence. And yet we we can come boldly before the throne, the scriptures say, because of Christ and what he's done and he's made a way. I pray we would, again, learn to be childlike and to be confident before you, Father, that when we pray, we're praying to you, our good Father. You give good things to your sons and your daughters. Help us be more confident. In Jesus' name.
Amen. And so again, simple prayer that's persistent, simple prayer that's confident is simple enough, but it's not always easy. I love how one writer summarizes this. What is fundamentally at stake here is our picture of God. God must not be thought of as a reluctant stranger who could be cajoled or bullied into bestowing gifts. No, he, he must not be thought of as a malicious tyrant who takes vicious glee in the tricks he plays. Or he must not be thought of as an indulgent grandfather. No offense, grandpas, you do your thing with your grandkids. But we must not think of our father that way. He's not to be thought of as an indulgent grandfather who provides everything requested of him. He is our heavenly Father, the God of the kingdom, who graciously and willingly bestows good gifts, the good gifts of the kingdom, in answers to prayer. So let's be persistent, confident prayers, church. I, I want us to learn and to grow in this. And so I'm just going to like announce this. I don't have any details other than the start date. But I'm going to be leading a five-week growth group on transforming prayer. It's going to start the first week of May, and we're going to go five weeks, and I hope you'll consider joining probably on Wednesdays, and I'll get details out, uh, but I hope you'll, you'll make five weeks. And in that, we will pray. We'll have some things to do together, including some fasting, and, and let's grow together as individuals, but as a church, and learning to pray simple prayers, persistent but confident prayers. We can, we can grow in our praying. Jesus taught several times, implying there's room to learn, and I hope you'll join me in that. Let's pray one last time, and Jason's going to come back, and we'll sing some more in response. So, Lord, again, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. We've prayed several times tonight, but now again, take your word and, and do with it what you intend. You promise that your word will not return empty. It'll accomplish what you desire. And I believe, God, that the fact that we have this teaching, these commands to ask, seek, and knock, to learn to be persistent and confident, means you want us to respond to this. <clears throat> and I pray we would. I pray we would grow in our praying, not only now tonight, but in the days, weeks, months, years to come. Thank you that you are not some distant, far-off, deity, but you are our heavenly Father. You are our good Father. So stretch us to come confidently, to come persistently in Jesus' name.